0: There have been some of you who have asked if the messages I am sharing are in printed form. Today I'm sharing the last message in the series on the kind of people God wants us to be. And I have written a book titled Glory and the Church. It doesn't have all nine of these presentations, but it does have six of them. And if you'd like more information on the book, you can talk to me later about that. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we pause to thank you for what we have already experienced in this time of worship and fellowship together as your children. And as we open your word today and realizing the importance of what we are about to embark upon in this study, and realizing my own personal need I am offering myself as a vessel freshening you into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear Son, and please anoint me with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, so that your purpose, your desired purpose, might be accomplished for each of us as individuals as families and as a church collective. Because as I pray and praises for victories I give in Christ's name. Amen. Today we're looking at the importance of being a fruit bearing people. Last Sabbath we noticed the importance of being a root concern people. And as I just voiced, today we're looking at the importance of being a fruit-bearing people. I'll go again to Isaiah chapter 37 and verse 31, a message that was given to physical Israel and a message that God's sweet spirit is desiring for spiritual Israel today to take confidence in. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. As I did in our last session, to put it in the context of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, I, I want to slightly paraphrase this verse. And the remnant that remains of the woman must and shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward." As remnant people, you and I must pay attention to what the Scriptures and God's sweet Holy Spirit says to us in the area of our root system. As remnant people, we must also pay particular attention to what the Scriptures And God's sweet spirit says to us, in the area of bearing fruit. Since the initial encounter of Eve with the enemy in the Garden of Eden, Satan has been dealing in the area of fruit among the human family. And because of this, Jesus wanted the generation he was living in, and our generation today, to recognize the truth of Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 33. Listen to what flowed from the gracious lips of our Savior. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. Now, does this sound like the Laodicean message that has been given to us? Jesus said he would either we be hot or cold, right? Because if we're lukewarm, we'll be spewed, we'll be spit out of his mouth. And so with Jesus, there was then and there is not now any neutral ground and territory. He said that you and I are either to make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. And then underscore this phrase, for the tree, speaking about you and referring to me, for the tree is known by his fruit. Now, I am not a fruit inspector, but I do take this literally. Tell me what you listen to, and I will tell you what you are becoming tell me what you look at, and I will tell you what you are becoming. My brothers and sisters, we are known by our fruit. Ralph Waldo Emerson made a statement many years ago. He said, "What you are, speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. We are revealing who we are And what we are by our deeds, by our actions, by our words. And I believe that you will readily acknowledge with me that we are achieving much for God's kingdom. But the question I'm asking myself and the question I'm asking you today is this Is there room for improvement? Can we afford to measure our fruitfulness, either as individuals or families, or collectively, can we afford to measure our fruitfulness against what others are doing? Or is there a unique rule that has been distributed to you and to me as part of the remnant seed of the woman? My Bible very plainly states to whom much is given, much is required. And I thank God for the much that has been given to us. Amen? And because God has given much to us, much will be required of and from us. And so the question I'm asking is this. When God looks at you and God looks at me, what kind of fruit does he see? May I repeat that question again? When God looks at you and God looks at me, does he find the fruit that he desires? Am I smiling? Can you see my teeth? I love you. But I think I need to ask that question one more time. When God looks at you, when God looks at me, does he find the fruit that he desires? Now, while we're here in the book of Matthew, let's go to Matthew chapter 21. We're told that there was a time in the earthly ministry of Jesus when he became hungry. I read Matthew 21 in verse 19. And when Jesus saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. I used to wonder about that verse until I actually planted a couple of fig trees and saw them grow, and the fruit began to come on. And I have come to the conclusion that that fig tree gave all of the external evidence of being a fruit-bearing entity, but did not live up to the external presentation. And that's why Jesus spoke to that tree as he did. And is it not true, my friends, that this has happened in the spiritual sense in God's dealing with man? Oh, how long-suffering the creator of the worlds was with Israel. And what a dramatic portrait of this is presented in this 21st chapter of Matthew. Jesus told a story. He told a story about an owner of a vineyard who planted the vineyard, he hedged around about it. He dug a wine press and then he built a tower. He did all of the work himself. And when everything was finished, he turned it over into the hands of husbandmen and then took a trip. He left. And in due season, he sent back to receive what he was expecting. Now, let's pick up the story beginning in verse 34 of Matthew 21. And when the time of the fruit drew near, now look at that. Okay, when the time of the fruit drew near, he knew that that it was time for fruit to be there. He sent his servants to the husbandman that they might receive the fruits thereof. So he sent these servants with one purpose in mind and heart. And that was to gather the fruit that he knew should be there. And the husbandman took his servants, beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husband and saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. Can any true description be given of God's patience? I think not. You see, he who created the earth and supplied every good and perfect gift that humanity needed to succeed had a right to expect his name to be blessed and for all the nations of the earth to be blessed through them. But instead, how was God treated? His law was profaned, and his prophets were persecuted. And his one ultimate appeal for fruit, God sent his only begotten son into this world. But do we need to be reminded how Jesus was received and treated? Let's go to John chapter 1 and look at verse number 1 of 11. And Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him gladly. They received him with great appreciation. Is that what the Bible says? No, no. The Bible says that Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. They cheered as they saw him walk through the gate and outside the city of Jerusalem with with dried spittle upon his face. They mocked when they saw that crown of thorns that had been pressed into his precious brow. They reveled when they saw the blood dripping from his back and that heavy crossbar upon his shoulders. They rejoiced when finally he hung in death. And what was his crime? Of what was Jesus guilty? Of one thing and one thing only. He came to receive fruit. And I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that very possibly our Jesus had tears and yet expectancy in his voice when he uttered and spoke the words of Matthew 21 and verse 43. Listen very intently to what he said to Israel. Therefore, on this basis, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, how? Doing what? Bringing forth the fruits thereof. And again, I say, I believe with all my mind and all of my heart that when Jesus spoke these words, there were tears in his voice, and yet there was expectancy, because Jesus knew that there would be a people who would fulfill the desire and design of Heavenly Father. And that people would be the remnant seed of the woman. We look back and we say how awful that Christ was treated in that fashion. But my brothers and sisters, how have we, how have you and how have I responded to his repeated appeals and expectations on this side of the cross? Do we need to be reminded of the church ages? The church ages since Ephesus left her first love? It's impossible to read Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 and not deeply sense that even at this moment Jesus is standing at the door of this last church age. He's standing at the door of every man and every woman, every boy and every girl, and Jesus is knocking. He is asking to be invited in so that fruit may be produced. Let's look at it. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I ask you the question at this very moment— can you feel the knuckles of Christ rapping at your heart's door? Jesus is there. And Jesus says, if any man, if any woman, any boy, any girl hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him or her and will sup with him or her and he with me. Oh, my friends, we must never forget that we as a Seventy Adventist Christian church, we were planted in good ground. And ever since then, we have been bringing forth fruit. But the question I'm asking today is this, can it be? Can it really be that we have not been in the past and we are not presently as productive as we could have been And we could be right now. I have heard and I have read that there was a time when the tree of our church became as dry as the hills of Gilboa. And God in his mercy burned a message of righteousness by faith in the souls of some of our early leaders. So that the ground of our church may be dug and spiritual fertilizer might be applied to our root system. To say the least, there is nothing you and I can do about the past. But there's a whole lot we can do about the present and we can do about the future. And you and I again must resound with thanksgiving. As we make ourselves available for our root system to be fertilized by God's Word and God's Holy Spirit and make no mistake the digging process may be painful the digging process may go deep but you and I can rest assured that God knows what he is doing (laughs) And God can assist us in making the changes that need to be made. I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that you and I are living in one of the most potential hours of our church history. We are standing on the very threshold of the latter rain outpouring of God's sweet Holy Spirit. You see, God desires to finish his work. And I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that God's work is going to be finished with us or without us. God's work is going to be finished. And it's going to be finished as you and I bring forth more fruit and much fruit to the glory and honor of Heavenly Father. You see, once again, as we take root downward, there are a number of areas in which we will experience a greater degree of fruitfulness. But because of our time factor, today I'm just going to briefly focus on one outstanding area in which we must and we will become more fruitful. I'm convicted in my intellect, and I'm convinced in my emotions that as we sink our roots downward and have a desire to bear fruit upward to the glory of God, we will see a revival of sanctification. Sanctification is a big word. And sanctification is a word that scares some people. But you and I must understand, my friends, that sanctification was prayed for us to experience by Jesus himself in John chapter 17. And sanctification simply means that you and I will become dedicated and committed to everything that is holy. And just in case no one has told you lately or reminded you Sanctification is God's will for us to experience. I go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Reading verses 3, 4, and then dropping down to verses 7 and 12. For this is the will of God. What's God's will? Even your sanctification, and as if someone were about to ask, well, what do you mean by that? The apostle, penned through Holy Spirit inspiration, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, fornication simply means anything and everything that is unclean and goes against the character of Heavenly Father. And again, as if someone were about to ask, well, why is this so imperative? Why is it important that we recognize this and allow the Scriptures and Spirit of God to enable us to go onward and upward in the process of sanctification? He resounds that every one of you, Danny Gerard, should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Am I smiling? Can you still see my teeth? I love you, my brothers and sisters, but God is not going to force you and God is not going to force me We have a free will, and God is pleading with us to make that decision. But God will not force us to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. For God has not called us unto uncleanness. Now, say that again. University Park Way 70 Adventist Christian Church God has not called us unto uncleanness May I shout it one more time God has not called us unto uncleanness but unto holiness <laughs> God has called you and God has called me unto holiness that we may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. (laughs) Anybody else want to say hallelujah with me about now? (laughs) You see, that's God's will for you, and that's God's will for me, that we lack nothing, because as we are possessing our vessels in sanctification and honor— God will supply all of our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I believe with all my mind and all my heart that as Christians are taking root downward and desiring to bear fruit upward, we will become convicted in our intellects and we will become convinced in our emotions greater than ever before that there are some places we just cannot go to. There are some words we just cannot say. There are some things we just cannot wear. There are some food and drink we just cannot consume. And some of you about now may be thinking, well, Pastor Dan, that sounds kind of dreary to me. That sounds kind of negative to me. That sounds like God doesn't want us to have any fun. Well, my brothers and sisters, thanks being the Heavenly Father. There are a lot of places we can go. I can put my Bible under my arm. I can go to church on Sabbath or Wednesday night, and I feel real good. <laughs> there are a lot of words I can say. I can say Amen. I can say praise the Lord. I can say hallelujah, and I feel real good. There are a lot of things that that we can wear. I mean, I can put on clothing that's decently in order, and I feel real good. There are a lot of foods we can eat. I can have a plate of vegetables. I can cook a big pot of pinto beans and bake some cornbread. I can make me a strip of lettuce and tomato sandwich, and I feel real good. You have come too late to tell me that I cannot enjoy the blessings of God as I look to him as the author and finisher of my faith and desire to possess my vessel in sanctification and honor. My brothers and sisters, God has not called us to walk like the world. Am I still smiling? God has not called us to talk like the world. God has not called us to dress like the world. God has not called us to eat and drink like the world. God has called you and God has called me to be a different people, a peculiar people to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our God who is in heaven. Think me strange if you will. But I still believe the words of that beautiful hymn. As we turn our eyes to Jesus, as we look full in his wonderful face, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Think me weird and old-fashioned, if you will. But I still believe in Psalms chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the young person. Don't you want to be blessed? <laughs> so what is the condition of this blessing? Blessing. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And as if someone is about to ask, well, if I live this kind of life, what will I get out of it? What will be the benefit, underscore, for the rest of your life and living? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. (laughs) I think I'll say hallelujah one more time. That's God's desire for you, and that's God's desire for me. And God takes great delight in bringing that to pass in your life and in my life. (laughs) Several months prior to my coming into the fellowship of the Seventy Adventist Christian Church, I began to claim a verse of Scripture in Job chapter 8 as part of my ministry and part of my personal life. And since July the 17th, 1982, when Rebecca and I were baptized into this movement, God's sweet Holy Spirit has expanded my faith concerning this verse of Scripture. And I now pray not only for myself, but I pray for every remnant member of Christ's church to have this verse come alive within us. Every day, I am praying that this verse will be birthed with greater grandeur in every member of University Parkway Seventy Adventist Christian Church. I do not agree with all that Bildad, the one who spoke these words, said to Job. But I do believe these words. Job 8 in verse 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. My brothers and sisters, the beginning of the Christian church was small. There was only 120 there on the day of Pentecost. But because they committed themselves to the word and will and way of Heavenly Father, in just a few years, the Bible says they were turning the world upside down. The Seventy Adventist Christian Church started out small in its beginning. Only a few, only a handful of people survived That great disappointment in our early history. But my brothers and sisters, we are now taking this everlasting gospel to every corner, every crack, and every crevice of planet Earth. We are seeing over 1,000 people a day converted and baptized into the kingdom of God. Our beginning was small, but our latter end shall greatly increase. And listen to me carefully. Soon and very soon, the earth you and I live on is going to become too small for us. (laughs) Soon and very soon, the body of Christ is going to begin to bring forth so much fruit. That you and I are going to have to be transported to a new heaven and a new earth. God is going to have a people, and again I say, with us or without us. I want to be part of that people, don't you? I believe you do. Heavenly Father, we yearn for the character of Jesus to be perfectly reproduced in us. And Lord, we know that in ourselves this is not possible because all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But Father, we are praising you that as we put our faith in Jesus... And as we put our hand in your hand, that it can become a reality. So that soon and very soon, we can all hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servants. Because this pray, pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. Amen.